Wednesday, April 12th. Let's play Hurdle. Today's song is Man in the Box by Alice in Chains. I have never been happier and sadder at the same time. Alice in Chains, Man in the Box. 1990. Oh my gosh. There's so many things to talk about here, and we got to kind of do it in order so that it makes sense. Okay, this is how I explain Alice in Chains. Oh my goodness, there's so much grunge to talk about. So much grunge. To try to do this right, you have to understand, like, in the Northwest and in Seattle, there were other bands like Screaming Trees and um, Green River and Mud Honey and Mother Love Bone and these bands that were hugely influential and impactful to that area. And those bands that we know that came from that area, but never really hit commercial success. So we'll give them their due. In other words, not to make it sound like Alice in Chains or Pearl Jam or Nirvana invented this sound, which they didn't. Okay, got that out of the way. Disclaimer. So Mother Love Bone is a band that was made up of uh, Nirvana, Nirvana, Pearl Jam guys, Jeff Amit, Stone Gossard, and their lead singer, Andrew Wood, died of a drug overdose in the late 80s. And it was huge for them because heroin was making its way through that area and that world and he was the first one who died and he was like 23 24 somewhere in there so for most people in that scene it well i guess it did one of two things it cleaned up a lot of people people that were just kind of messing with heroin or new people messing with heroin when andrew wood died it changed everything and they stopped and got away from it and then others did not but I've heard a lot of things about Pearl Jam saying that that changed, that got serious about being in bands and taking their craft seriously when Andrew Wood died. Um, okay, so Allison Chains started as a band that was getting together with uh, Lane Staley, lead singer, Jerry Cantrell, guitar player, but also sang in the band. And they were doing Slayer in dresses. That was what they wanted to do. They were going to play Slayer songs wearing dresses. And they were in an old band called Alice in Chains, like the apostrophe in, like an Alice in Wonderland kind of take. And then they end up just stealing that and using it as Alice in Chains. So I would describe it as, for most people, Nirvana made the biggest impact, biggest splash. Pearl Jam has the longevity, but Alice in Chains like opened the door and was the first super commercial successful grunge band because they they came in they were a little more metal they had a little heavier sound they did the drop d tuning on top of the seattle grunge sound and look pink hair sometimes wearing a thrift store dress on stage again going back to his days in the slayer cover band and that's you know they had two singers which was cool um, and they all hated hair metal and the other pop stuff at the time, which we'll get into that. What else was going on at that time, I think is just as important to why it was, well, let's talk about it because this song got nominated for a Grammy, but it did not win. Um, Van Halen won for hard rock. Okay. 
I'll give you that. That's not where I will rest my beef for this Grammys because this was the Grammys that all the pop and best records at that time, besides the hairband stuff that was already starting to fade, this was the time of um, CNC Music Factory, Boys to Men, Color Me Bad, Seal. Who else was nominated? You know what I mean? Like it was very pop, pop, dance pop. It was also the time of like Brian Adams songs. This was the soundtrack to the Robin Hood movie with Kevin Costner, who was Robin Hood without a British accent, which is still amazing that he did that. I love it. It was a bold move. (laughs) And like Michael Bolton, just killing it. You know, so there was room to come in and do something quite the opposite and, and grunge scratched that itch there. But just to drive my point home, and this is still something that is a sore issue with me because I was in the seventh grade and I remember it like it was yesterday. Bonnie Raitt won the Best Rock Grammy. And Jane's Addiction was nominated, I remember. R.E.M., Tom Petty, Queensryche. And they gave it to Bonnie Raitt. I don't, what are we even doing here? I should have never watched the Grammys from that day on. But they got me. Um, Okay, so... 1990, this comes out, right? This is 90, the uh, Man in the Box facelift. The idea of this song, he says he was really, really high on drugs when he wrote it, and it was supposed to be about censorship. But really, it came down to like living in a box and just feeding whatever anyone gives you. The Man in the Box. The music video helped these guys get super successful as well. They had a music video on MTV, it got picked up as MTV was expanding their programming into Alt Nation and 120 Minutes and all those other alternative and Headbangers Ball. All that stuff was like looking for things. And this video was dark. If you remember the guy with the hood, with the his eyes had been sewn shut. And it was like in those sepia tones. And it was a dark, weird, crazy video that teenage boys loved. So the whole, let's just talk the whole run real quick, of, of Alice in Chains' facelift. Then it's all like 92, 93, 94, 95, 96. They had, um, what's it called? Dirt, which was huge. 92, Dirt, and also singles. The single soundtrack to the Camera Co. movie came out that has them in it. And um, kind of a, an a ode and a nod to that whole scene. But Dirt had um, Wood and Them Bones and Rooster and... Even had the song Godsmack, which became the inspiration for the band Godsmack later. Then Jar of Flies had no excuses. What was after Jar of Flies? Was it the three-legged dog one or unplugged? The three-legged dog one had heaven beside you. And then the unplugged one is great. I love, I've always loved Lane Staley's voice. I think he's super cool. And his I love the unplugged stuff. Stone Temple Pilots, him, Nirvana. I loved all those. Pearl Jam, they were just so good. So when they got signed. Lane Staley's just a different dude. They flew him to New York, him and Jerry Cantrell, put him up in a big hotel, and they got in a lot of trouble the next day because they had basically gone around the neighborhood and gathered up a lot of the homeless people in the area and gave them a place to stay and fed them all from the uh, the room service, <laughs> which I think is great. And it was all on the uh, regular label's dime, and they had been told that there was a bidding war for them, and so they were like, Let's see who really wants us. (laughs) I love that story. But with all this success, with Man in the Box, uh, Grammy nomination, who they lost to 
Van Halen, which was really at that time Van Hager, if we could get into Van Hager. So Sammy Hager is actually the one who said we should have Allison Chains come open for us on tour, which at that time you can imagine early 90s Van Hager tour is ginormous. They go on tour, and that is where Lane Staley really goes from like weed into heroin. Never good. Never, ever good. So this band was a mess from like 1991 to 1996 when they technically stopped making music together and broke up as the original lineup of the band. I mean, it was in and out of rehab. They weren't getting along. Lane would go to rehab and everybody would get, you know, they get clean. Everything would happen. They'd come back and he would joke about doing drugs again. The band would get super mad and frustrated with him and leave. It, it, it really mirrors the Scott Weiland story as well. Uh, the producer that had worked with them, what was his name? <sighs> David Jordan, not Jordan, Jordan, I think. Because he's famous for this song. We should probably talk about this song. Has the talk, talk box in it. So the guitar, you put the hover in the world and you, um, for the talk box sound that Peter Frampton made famous. It sounds like the guitar's talking. But David Jordan heard it on the radio because it was in Bon Jovi's Living Like a Prayer. And they put it behind this. So behind this song where he's going, you're getting a lot of vocals today from me. And you're welcome. And the talk box is behind it. And it just is another, it's a good, it's what a good producer does. He hears something cool or interesting on a John Bon Jovi song and goes, yeah, but what if we put this on a metal band? Like, what if Allison Chains did something through a talk box? That would be insane. And he was right. It worked. So Jordan was around. So he was like a fifth member of the band who was always trying to help these guys get clean. And when they weren't getting along, he would record Lane on some days. And then the next day, record the other band members. And, you know, it's just a mess. He had gotten really bad in like 94, 95. Real bad doing shows from a wheelchair because he had fallen a few times and broken bones, like Ozfest. When I say shows, I'm like Lollapalooza and Ozfest. Like, then they got together to start recording stuff in the 95, 96 time frame. People said that he looked like he was 60, 70 years old, uh, that he had, was missing a lot of his teeth and looked awful. There's a lot of urban legends around Lane Staley. And the internet was kind of exploding at that time. So message forums and message boards and all that stuff was not helping that at all. People said he had lost a couple of his fingers due to his veins collapsing. But in 96, when the band just couldn't do it anymore because of his drug use, they stopped making music. And at the same time, his longtime girlfriend passed away of complications due to drug abuse. I think she had an infection, but it was all about being from heroin. So he moved into a penthouse suite that had um, almost like security. Like he, he was, he basically became a hermit in 96 and no one could get to him. And he had a lot of people that cared for him. He had friends and band members and all sorts of people that some of them said that they went on like a, we called him every, every week, three times a week, every week for years. And he would just never respond. He wouldn't answer the door. Then he got to the point where he wouldn't leave at all. And he had groceries and drugs brought to him by certain carriers that he would pay. And they would just show up and 
they didn't even see him. They would drop off the drugs and the food, and no one had seen or heard from him. There's rumors that he was making music, and he has a lot of demos, but that have never really seen the light of day. What else? I mean, it was bad. He the, At the same time, since the band broke up, 96, because in 97, Soundgarden broke up. And the Soundgarden and Allison Chains and one other, but I can't remember who it is. It's like Susan something was the big manager and AR rep of all of those Seattle bands. Well, that whole thing just kind of went under because there's no Soundgarden anymore. There's no Allison Chains anymore. So the band also lost like their AR rep and their manager, who would really, that's who your parents are when you're in a band. That's who's checking in on you, making sure you're getting to places on time, paying you. So they also kind of, at the worst possible time, Lane Staley also lost uh, supervision at that level. Again, he had friends checking in, but you know, he lost his his manager and, and A&R rep people. And then the saddest part about this story is, I mean, he was so gone that, and no one knew anything about where he was, what he was doing. No one had seen him in years. And in 2002, he died. And he was found weeks after he had died. And the only reason he was found was because of his accountant. And his accountant was the one who logged into his stuff and said, you know what, this guy's pretty much like clockwork on what he spends his money on. And he has not withdrawn any money in two weeks. So he got a hold of someone's, I think Lane's mom, and they got the police out there and he had been dead in that hotel room for weeks from a drug overdose, which is just so sad. Allison Chains has continued to go on. They've played music, written new music, playing around, and Jerry Cantrell sings, so the guitar player just took over singing duties on all of it. But it was just one of those stories that was just like, again, like a Scott Weiland, where it was like, man, he he tried heroin and could never shake it, and it never he could never get out from under it. So those, and I loved Lane Staley's voice. I wasn't the biggest Allison Chains fan out of all those bands. But I mean, thinking back on those songs, I mean, they had like 10 mega hits of that time. And they were huge. And I love those songs. I still listen to them a lot. They still get a lot of radio play. I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anything else in this story or specifically from Man in the Box. I don't think I am. I'm sure I'll think of a million things afterwards. I am, I, I can remember the Rolling Stone article I read in 1996. I was a junior in high school and it was Rolling Stone. It was John... I don't know. I have some Rolling Stone articles around my office here. No, that's not up there. Weederhorn or something like that. He was famous in those days. I don't know what he's doing anymore, but I remember that article, man. It was so good. And he wrote this article in 1996 at the breakup. It was pre, right before the breakup of Alice in Chains, because I think everyone around them and in the music business knew that one was not going to end well. And it was already on a collision course. Again, at that time, he was already showing up with missing teeth. And they would put sunglasses on him for music videos because he couldn't open his eyes. Stuff like that. Not good. And so he wrote that article that I always took as like, oh, man, he, everyone kind of felt like this is where it was going. And there was just nothing they could do about it, which is super sad. So, man, you know I'm all about the 90s alt. And this is fantastic hurdle today. Man, I could do another 10-minute video 
turn around and do another one right on Alice in Chains or Mother Love Bone or any more of these songs. So good. All right. That is an awesome hurdle. And I'm going to have to go listen to the rest of that today. All right. See y'all tomorrow. You can play Hurdle every day at Spotify.com slash Hurdle. And you can watch us playing live every day on Instagram at Let's Play Hurdle.